It's good to be back. Um, yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, you guys were on my heart uh, a lot while I was gone. I thought about you um, on and off Sundays. I always like during the time. I think it was uh, sun, Saturday evenings would be Sunday morning services. So I'd always be thinking, I wonder what Sarepta's doing now. So it's a real blessing for me to be back. Uh, you know, this uh, South Africa is my um, my passion, and particularly this town is my passion. Yeah, America's great, but uh, nothing nothing beats South Africa to me. It's too beautiful. Yeah, so it's really cool to be back. It is seriously. Um, I just wanted to, before I started preaching, just start with the scripture. It's it's adapted from 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. But I'd love it if you could just close your eyes and just let this, uh, this scripture really pierce you. Like, let it, let it speak to you. Don't let it just be words, but let it actually affect you. So this is what it says. It says, Love is patient, kind, not envious, not boastful, not proud, not dishonorable, not self-seeking, and it's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong and does not delight in evil. But it rejoices in the truth, always protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres, and it never, ever, ever fails. So that's that verse. You can open your eyes again. so I just wanted to start with sharing a testimony um, from when I was now in my third year. I had a really close group of friends. Um, Amy was there too. She was in a, my friend group. She was always known as uh, Anthony's brother. <laughs> Anthony's sister. Anthony's sister. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, but then, yeah, you know. Just, just happens. Um, so we, the the house that we would always gather at was a, a family's house. She, her name was Becca, Rebecca Tang, and um, so she she was a student at BSSM, but she lived there with her family. She wasn't because there's a lot of students that live with other students, and it's just like apartments. And this place was it felt like home because she was living with her parents and with our siblings. So we had always loved to go hang out there, and um, the, the way they do family is amazing. Uh, you know, the, it's, it's just such a kingdom family. Um, and so the one night, uh, she invited us all over to have a worship night, and uh, we, we had the worship night, and it was, it was really, really impactful. Uh, even just the worship was... Um, probably one of the highlights of the year, just that, that evening was crazy. But then, uh, so Rebecca's parents were in the room, and um, they were convinced that it wasn't over. Uh, so the mom thought, okay, I really feel like I'm meant to share my testimony. And so, so she shared her testimony, 
And that's what I want to share with you now. Um, so, uh, she had she's she had five children at this point. Uh, she she started sharing, and she said it must have been about seven or eight years ago, probably a bit longer than that. Um, she had five children, and. Uh, her husband and her really felt like they were meant to have another child. Um, so they decided, they, they are like submitted to leadership. They said, hey, we really feel like we're meant to have another kid. And everyone had peace on it. And so they were excited. Okay, we're going to have one more kid. And uh, she got pregnant. And it was, everything was looking great. Um, a couple of weeks into the pregnancy, she ended up having a miscarriage. Um, and she was a bit, she was confused, hurt, obviously. And she was like, why, why would I have a miscarriage? We were convinced that this is from the Lord. Or we, we are convinced that this is from the Lord. Um, so they ended up trying again. Uh, and she got pregnant again. Uh, so they were, they were really happy. They're like, okay, so it is from the Lord. This is good. Um, but then again, a few weeks later, she had another miscarriage, um, and she was pretty. She was really discouraged, uh, discouraged. and um, you know, their faith is amazing. They still persevered. They tried again. She fell pregnant again, and this time, she had leaders from around her area. I think they were. Uh, I'm not sure where they were. I'm pretty sure they might have been in the Hawaii area. I don't know, somewhere in the U.S. Um, and she fell pregnant again. And now she had like a bunch of people praying for her. And everything was looking good. She went to the doctors and they were saying, everything is, uh, yeah, everything's good. There's, nothing's going to go wrong. Um, but then again, like a couple months into the pregnancy, she had a miscarriage. And, um, you know, now it really, really hurt this time. And um, her and her husband were really, really, really hurt. Um, but she said, God never lost my worship. I, I, never, I never questioned God. Why would you do this to me? God doesn't do that to us, and she always stood on that. Um, so they tried again. And this time, you know, they were friends with uh, leaders from Bethel and, like, a bunch of other places around America. So they were like, this is not going to happen again. And so they contacted all the people that they knew. And um, this time, so they, they got pregnant again, um, and they they rejoiced, and they were... Uh, yeah, they were overwhelmed with joy. Everything looked amazing this time. But, uh, you know, the, something, something, uh, her husband was out of town and something went wrong in her body. And so she was rushed off to the hospital. Um, and it wasn't directly related to the pregnancy. Uh, but because of what they, she had to go under and they had to operate and stuff and give her specific medication. And through the, 
through what happened at the hospital, she ended up losing the baby on the table. Um, so she had another miscarriage. So that's the fourth one in a row. And, you know, her body was exhausted. She couldn't, she couldn't handle it anymore. Um, and Spencer was out of town. Her husband was out of town. Uh, so she was by herself, too. And the, she was taken home after being to the hospital. And, like, all the way home, you know, she was super exhausted. She, couldn't, she didn't even have the energy to be angry at God. Um, but all she could, all that was going through her mind was, all these leaders have been praying for me. Like, all, all the people that I know have been praying for me. Now I have to contact all of them and let them know it didn't work again. Um, and that was weighing on her heart. Um, and, you know, she got home, and she didn't even have energy to walk up the stairs. She didn't have any energy to even walk up the stairs to go to her bed. So she got into the house and she just fluffed on the couch. And that's all the energy she had. Um, so when she was laying on the couch while she was sleeping, this is when it gets better. The story goes up from here. Um, <laughs> but while she was sleeping, she had a dream. And in the dream, Satan was in the dream and God was in the dream. And Satan uh, was below her and he was looking up to God and he said, watch, this time Wendy's going to shake her finger at heaven and say, how dare you let this happen to me? Again. How can you let this happen to me again? Wendy woke up that morning. And this, this is amazing. Uh, this, these words have shifted my life. Uh, over the last year. It sounds really simple, but the, it, it carries so much power. Um, she woke up and she sat up and, you know, she, she could be, uh, she should be angry, she should be uh, in mourning, she should be, yeah, disappointed, all that, all that stuff. But the only words that could come out of her mouth was, you're only good, you're only kind, and you're only loving. You're only good. You're only kind. You're only loving. And she was sitting there on the couch. And she was just saying that over and over again. And, you know, through, through the tears. Um, and she, instead of, um, you know, get the disappointment, she was just being rocked by God's love in that moment. After having four miscarriages in a row, the husband wasn't there to comfort her. And she was just being rocked by God's love. That's crazy. And so those are the words that were coming out of her mouth. You're only good. You're only kind. You're only loving. Um, and so what, what I want to say about that is I would just encourage you with those words um, to write them down somewhere. And when you're in your quiet time, to just, uh, just go over that again and again. You're only good. You're only kind. You're only loving. Because there's something that, you know, um, in, in God, we can think, we can think very narrow-minded sometimes about God. But when you say you're only good, you're only kind, you're only loving, if we know it, the, the key word in that is like, it's not the good, the, the kindness, the loving, it's the only that is the key word in that. Because if He's only good, or He's only kind, He's only loving, then all this 
our boundaries that are set up around God and like, you know, we're afraid of God for, to, that, that he'll, um, uh, he'll change us too much or something like that or he'll put us in uncomfortable situations or something like that. But, you know, if he's only good, he's only kind and he's only loving, then there's no reason to be afraid because there's nothing else that he can be. He can't, yeah, so that's good. Um, so let me just get back to where I was. So, yeah, so she was sitting there and she was being rocked by that. You're only good, you're only kind, you're only loving. And then this is the amazing part was, so she was sitting there, there was no one else in the house. And then all of a sudden she just, she hears someone walk into the room. And she w- looks up and there's this, this guy just walks into the room and she was freaked out. She was thinking, I locked the door when I came in. There, there can't be anyone in here. How the heck did this guy get in here? And so he walks up to her, and she's like frozen. She doesn't, she doesn't know what to do. Like she's not sure if he's an intruder or something. Um, but he comes up to her, and he puts uh, his hand on her shoulder. And as he, as he does that, um, she realizes, oh, this is, this is the person of Jesus. Jesus is visiting me, and. Um, he said, uh, he said something like, this is, this is not what I wanted for you. This is not what I wanted for you. He said, yeah. And as he said that, so she was just like, she was in even more tears now. She knew that, that God was with her. And um, in, the, in the midst of the pain, Jesus met her and so the reason she told us this testimony was because she wanted us to... So she had had like a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. And so she wanted to uh, pray over us afterwards and release the testimony of having a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Um, so afterwards she, uh, she started praying and, you know, like sometimes we can get into the mindset of, okay, she's, she's praying for me now. I've just got to wait on God and uh, maybe it'll come, like he'll come and uh, I've, I've got to wait for him to come more and more and more until, okay, now I'm in a good place. Um, but w- when she started praying, as I closed my eyes, I just started to have a vision right away. And um, I, I was outside and uh, just in the garden and... Um, the, the, the sky was up there, obviously, and there was clouds all around. And uh, as I looked up in the clouds, suddenly this huge, bright face just came out the clouds. Um, and it was, it was huge, and it was, it was super, super overwhelming. Uh, as it gazed down at me, I couldn't, I, I had to look away. There was no way that I could keep looking at the face. Um, and... Uh, it, it was almost like there was a there was a pain that was that was there, and it was it was really uncomfortable. Um, and then I just had that phrase going through my head: "He's only good. He's only kind. He's only loving." So I was like, "I don't know what this pain is, but I need to look at his face. I have to fix my eyes on his face." 
There's nothing else that I can do. If I'm not looking at his face, then, then I'm lost. So I looked up at his face, and it was like, it was really, really, really painful. Um, but as I kept looking at his face, you know, I couldn't make out anything on his face because it was too bright. And as I kept looking at his face, I just saw that the only thing that I could make out was his eyes, and they were just two flames of fire. Flames of fire. And then, it, so that's what the pain was. I could, it felt like there was something burning inside of me. And um, so what I, what I want to say about, like, it, it, almost felt, it almost felt at the time, while I was processing it, I was chatting to dad, and I was like, it almost felt like anger, and I was confused by that. But then through processing it, I realized it's not anger, it's just, the pure ferocity that, that he carries. There's a ferocity that sometimes we, we won't let in because we're used to traditional church where Jesus, we see, we see Jesus come in and he's his opened-armed, like warm smile, lovely. You know, he's the lamb. But how many of you know that he's not just the lamb, but he's the lion of Judah? He's ferocious. His love is ferocious. It's not just a love where it's um, decorated with, uh, you know, pretty, uh, really nice, welcoming love. But he's actually, he's chasing us down. He's chasing us down. You know, there's, uh, there was a thing, so as I was in the encounter, just, you're only good, you're only kind, you're only loving. This thing started to, it, it felt really good. That was, that was the, the confusion for me because it felt like anger, but it felt really good. And so realizing that there's so much more to his love than I could ever imagine. And we're never, we're never going to grasp the whole thing because it's just too much. We can't, we can't grasp it with this. Um, so, you know, like the, the ferocity and the, this, this thing of he's a lion, uh, he's, yeah, he's chasing us down. We're, we're the prey. We're the prey. And he's chasing us down, and there's nothing we can do to stop him from chasing us down. But how many of you know that we do have to accept it? He'll get as close as he can, but we have to accept it. Um, you know, he, there's another word you could use. You could say that he was desperate, desperate to love us. But, man, how desperate was he? How desperate was he? He sent his son. Jesus put a cross on his back. And he walked up the hill. He was walking up to Calvary. He willingly got pinned to the cross. The cross was put up. And he died. That's how desperate he is to love us. He would send his only son, and the son would die. Man. So, I know we don't, sometimes we wouldn't usually do this at Sarepta, but I never want to skip a service without doing this. And I just want to ask if there's anyone in here who hasn't experienced the love of God 
or hasn't, um, hasn't given their lives to God. Um, you know, there's, there's so much to say about this love. I can't, you, you can't cover it all in one go. But I can encourage you that if you accepted him into your life, it would be the, the best decision that you've ever made in your whole life. He'll forgive you of every sin. He'll give you a brand new life. How many of you know that he didn't just die so that we can be free of sin? He died so that we'd be a new creation. He didn't just, he didn't just say, okay, here's all the sin, so now you're, uh, you're as you were before sin. But he says, no, I'm actually going to make you into a creation where sin isn't even possible anymore. So if you want to receive Jesus and get rid of um, the old self, the old man, put off the old man, I'd love you to raise your hand if there's anyone in the room that hasn't received Jesus. I'll just wait a little bit just in case you're shy. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful, because then I assume that we're all saved and we're all family. Um, but as I did finish up, um, I just wanted to share uh, some healing testimonies that we saw in South Africa, and then we can open ministry time. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, I always forget, I always forget to say at the end. So that was the fourth time, but it, they tried again, fifth time she had her child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, her name was Ruby, the, the kid. Um, yeah, she's awesome. So, yeah, while she was sharing the testimony, she had Ruby in her lap. And it, was, it was beautiful, yeah. Um, so... Uh, just, a, just a couple quick testimonies um, just to give us faith that people will be healed today in ministry time. Um, I went on my mission trip and I actually came to South Africa. I was in Cape Town and East London in April. Um, and we saw some crazy, crazy things. It was ridiculous. Um, when One of my favorites was... Uh, we were walking around the townships of East London, and uh, in the middle of the township, there was this hospice. So obviously, just hopeless, hopeless in the hospice. There's, people just go there to die, obviously. So it felt super hopeless when we were in there. And I was one of the last to arrive because we were doing a lot of ministry on the way, uh, seeing people saved. And um, so our whole group had made it there, and... Uh, there was this one lady in a room where like the whole the whole team had been uh, in smaller groups they 'd gone into the room to pray for this lady um, but she hadn 't hadn 't received any breakthrough at all um, in in her body and i 'm not even sure what was wrong with her body she when i when I walked into the room uh, with my friend Charlie uh, she was sitting there in the corner old old lady. Um, and she was sitting in the corner, and she was all like hunched up on on her chair, and she could hardly move. If she she would move super slowly, 
if she moved quick, she, there would be pain just shooting through her whole body. Um, and, you know, she, would try, she was trying to show me where the pain was. And if she would touch her arm by accident or anyway, she would just touch, she would cringe in pain. And, you know, the, the, there was just pain all over her body. It was, it was crazy. Um, and, you know, we, so me and Charlie, we sat in there with her and we were praying uh, for about five minutes. She was just pointing at different areas in her body that there was pain and uh, nothing, nothing was going on. Um, that she wasn't receiving any breakthrough. Um, until she pointed at her hand. And so we gently took her hand and um, we started praying over her hand. We were commanding the pain to leave. And then all of a sudden, she just, she just moved her finger like this. And um, her eyes went huge. And she looked at her hand and she looked at us and she did this. She couldn't speak English too. So she was just pointing at areas to, to, heal, uh, to pray for. She moved her finger and she was like looking at us. And um, so we, we carried on praying. And then she was moving all her fingers like this. And... Um, carried on praying and then she started to move her whole hand like this and uh, we carried on praying we carried on praying until she was moving her whole arm and then she was she was sitting in her chair and she was moving around freely and uh, she just had like this really shocked expression on her face until we finished praying and then she when when we walked into the room she was she was cringing and she was hunched over she couldn't move at all and when we left, she was dancing on her seat, this huge smile, and she, she was completely healed. We, eventually, a translator came into the room, and she said, there's, no, there's absolutely no pain left in, in her body. So that's one of my favorites, because, you know, she was in a hospice. It was hopeless. And she got fully healed there. It's awesome. Um, another one was this this is just like this is a bit of a crazy story uh but we we let me think uh this was also in east london uh our team i don't know if you guys already told them this but okay um so we were all out in the townships again and we were with this guy who he the a local guy and he did ministry. Um, he's basically just a traveling evangelist. Really cool guy. He has a motorbike. And he, what he's done is he's put a little speaker on the back of his motorbike. And he carries around a microphone as well. And so he'll ride his bike. And he'll stop on the side of the road uh, where there's lots of people. And he'll just take his mic and he'll just preach the gospel and see people come to Jesus. So it was, it was really cool uh, hanging out with him. And um, so at the one point, we, uh, we stopped on the side of the road uh, by this township, and it was a really busy road. There was cars like flying by, but no one was really obeying the law. It was just a, a dodgy area. And um, uh, we were on the one side of the road, and the bike was on the other side. And so we all crossed the road except for one guy was still ministering on the other side of the road. He was just praying for someone to be healed. And so after the person was healed, the, uh, the guy who, was, who owned the motorbike was calling him over because he wanted him to preach the gospel. Um, and so this guy's American. So 
as he's crossing the road, he didn't look the right way because um, it's all opposite in America. So he didn't look the right way and he crossed the road and uh, he, be- he got hit by a car. And um, it was really, really bad. Uh, the person was going really fast. And so the way that he got hit was, uh, obviously he got hit uh, on the front and he smashed the windscreen, so bounced off the windscreen and did a somersault over the car and flew through the air. Um, and it was amazing because when we, we all like ran, we, we thought it was a car accident when we heard. There was just this loud bang and we thought, oh, two cars have collided. And then my one friend just turned around in time to see someone flying through the air. Um, so uh, we all ran. We, th- we didn't know it was someone from our team. So we ran around the car, and then we saw, we thought, okay, we're going to have to pray for someone to be resurrected from the dead. That's how, that's how bad it seemed. So we ran around the car, and then we saw, oh, it's, it's Carlos. It's our friend. And we were like, so that was really intense. But he was, li- he was laying there, and he was completely... He had a, a break in his shin, and it was clean broken. It was like you could take the leg which any direction. It was really hectic. But, but that's the only injury he suffered. He didn't, you know, most people would at least, yeah, brain damage or something like that. But he, he didn't bump his head. He didn't hurt, like when he smashed the windscreen, he didn't suffer from anything, like any other injuries, just his leg. So we, we were just like rejoicing for that. That was crazy. Um, but so the guy, he stopped, stopped the car, um, ran out uh, to come to Carlos, and he was like, oh, so sorry I hit you, so sorry I hit you. Are you okay? And he was running up to Carlos. And Carlos, he looked at his leg, and as he looked at his leg, he just felt this supernatural peace just come over him. And he, didn't, he wasn't stressed. He, wasn't, he, was, he was even more present in his mind than he was before almost. That's, that's how you would explain it. Um, and so he looked up at the guy running towards him. And as the guy got to him, he grabbed the guy's hand and said, I forgive you. And I forgive you because Jesus forgave you. You should give your life to Jesus now. And so in the midst of just being hit by a car, his broken body, he, still, he was still convinced that you know, he was sold out for the gospel. He had to see this person come to Jesus. Instead of like, oh, what am I going to do about my leg? He was like, no, Jesus needs to have this man. So the, the guy gets led to the Lord. Uh, we rush off to the hospital with Carlos. Um, we, he gets admitted into a room. Uh, and we're all like kind of standing around uh, Carlos. And we're like, what, what the heck are we going to do? Because like, this trip's only, I think there was like a week left for the trip. So he'd have to stay in South Africa longer. So we're like, what the... We, we don't know what to do. Uh, so we were all worried in our minds. And he, he was just looking at us and he said, what the heck are you doing in this room? There's people down in the waiting room and they're sick and they're broken. They need to be healed. Why are you, why are you in this room? So we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we, kinda, we just left them and rushed down to the, the waiting room. And as we were entering the waiting room, we saw someone in a wheelchair. And she was, she was making a real, real scene. She was crying out in pain, like loud, loud, uh, you know, sh- shrieking in pain um, when we walked in. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of people in the waiting room too, so they were all aware that she was in pain. Um, and so we walked down there, and then the one girl from our team, uh, 
she saw her and she decided, okay, we need to pray for her to be healed. So she went straight up to her um, and asked her if she could pray. And uh, so she prayed for, it was like a fracture in the ankle. So she prayed for the ankle. um, And then, so just to give you context on how we would minister, how we were trained at Bethel is, we'll ask them if, if, if you could put the pain into perspective of uh, a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is, your com- or 0 is, com- you're completely fine, and 10 is excruciating pain, where would you say your pain is? So she was at a 10, um, and then after, we, uh, after she prayed for her, uh, it went down to a 6, and so we prayed again, um, and it went straight down to a 0. She, and she was shocked. She, she uh, got out of her wheelchair herself, and she started walking around, and she was like, what the heck is happening? What did, what did you do to me? And so she, she was being pretty loud about it too. So everyone was like looking at her, and they were like, oh, that's, that's the girl that was in the wheelchair a second ago. So everybody was aware that she was in pain, and now everybody was aware that she was miraculously healed. Um, so in the midst of her, like, going, what, what the heck did you do? Uh, my one friend stands up and just starts preaching the gospel. He says, you see, look at what Jesus just did. And um, he preaches the gospel, uh, gives an altar call, and the whole room, there was like 70 people in there, and they all got saved. Um, even the, like the security guards and the receptionists, all the people that were working at the hospital that were in the room, they all got saved. And um, after we did that, uh, we started praying for healing for all the different people uh, in the room that were obviously affected. Um, and I think there was one person that didn't get healed, and it was he had like some kind of a mental ability, uh, like Down syndrome or something like that. Um, and that's the only person that didn't get healed. Everybody in the room got healed. It was crazy. Um, so that happened. And... The, the rest of Carlos' story. So Carlos had to stay in the hospital. Um, but, you know, he, that man has changed my life in the story where he's sitting in the hospital with a broken leg and he's like laying in bed all day. But still, through the 10 days, he saw 70 people come to Jesus. Just sitting there on a bed, like in, in pain, he, was, he would say... He would see people walking past and he would shout, hey, come here. So he'd like draw them over and he would ask them, preach the gospel to them and ask them if they want to receive Jesus. And they would receive Jesus. So yeah, it was crazy. 70 people. And yeah, so that's that story. Um, Oh yeah, that part too. Um, And then the driver, uh, a few days after the accident, came and visited Carlos and um, Carlos, uh, uh, the guy brought his whole family, and so Carlos preached the gospel to the whole family, and they all got saved. Um, and they said, "We want to be baptized as well." So Carlos uh, baptized them as well. This is just awesome. Uh, so the whole family was saved and baptized. And Carlos would say, "If if that was reason enough for me to be hit, that that was worth it. Well, well worth it." You know, like we can see, we see miracles in healing. We see miracles in a bunch of aspects of life. We can, you know, provision, all this stuff. Um, 
But there's no greater miracle than someone coming to Jesus, receiving salvation. Because, you know, we can, we can be healed in our body, but like if my arm's sore and it gets healed, that's great. But how many of you know that when I get salvation, that's an eternal thing? It's, it's like the most amazing thing to be a part of a witness is someone being saved. So that, that's another charge that I would have for you is, you know, this is, this is your city. This is your town. This is your village. Um, and we're, we're the church of, in this area. We're the church. There are other churches as well. But in this area, we can say we are the church. And I want to I charge you and say there's people probably walking right outside right now that are broken. Completely broken. And they just need Jesus. And I'm almost convinced that some of the, the people that are walking past right now, they haven't even heard of Jesus. No one's given them an opportunity. No one's ever spoken to them about Jesus. They don't even know, if you ask them, do you know, do you know about Jesus? Or I have no idea about that name. So I want to I charge you that when you're out and about, uh, you know, shopping, whatever, if you see someone and you really feel like you're meant to go preach the gospel to them, when I say preach, it doesn't mean, you know, go there with the Bible and, you know, start being loud. And it just means share, share Jesus, share the gospel, tell them what they, tell them what uh, Jesus did for them. Because there's power in the gospel that we can't understand. You know, the story of the gospel, it doesn't make any sense at all uh, if you think about it logically. But there's a power behind the gospel that that is so, 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 so powerful. And we, we need to see people, uh, we, we need to see this town saved. Yeah, we need to see it saved. So everybody needs to be saved. Okay. Um, so we can start ministry time. Um, yeah, yeah. So... I wanted to invite, if there's anybody, it doesn't matter if it's like flu or like the, there's pain at the end of your pinky, <laughs> anything, like any, anything wrong with your body. You know that you were designed to live pain-free when you receive Jesus. You're designed to live pain-free. So if there's anything wrong with your body, I want to invite you forward.